This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym, and I'm the producer of the theatrical variety show, The Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I usually invite guests and performers from my stage show and beyond to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. But this week, it is my first episode without a guest. (laughs) It is just me. I wanted to talk about something that kind of happened to me this past weekend. Um, You know, once this airs, it's going to be a couple weeks past. So don't bother with your, like, get well messages and stuff. Just kidding. I love to hear that stuff. Um, Even if I am feeling a lot better. What happened? What happened was I had a, a minor surgery. I had a minor medical emergency medical procedure on the weekend. So I'm just going to tell you a bit about it because it most definitely is related to sex and sexuality and um, it's a pretty common thing that happens with women Uh, and I imagine with men though I obviously don't have that experience but I'm going to tell you mine. Um, So on Wednesday evening, I play basketball Wednesday evening, so I was playing basketball, as one does, and um, right after basketball, I noticed that I had some pain, like, in my groin area, and (laughs) I immediately thought that I'd, like, pulled a muscle, or that I just had tightness there, like, I wasn't totally sure what, what the pain was. Or where it was coming from. And like sometimes after basketball, I I play like volleyball and then basketball two days in a row weekly. And a lot of times I get like tightness throughout my groin. So I thought maybe, hopefully, (laughs) it was just related to that. However, I went to bed that night. And in bed, it was just like pain. Just quite obviously pain. Like not a pulled muscle, not uncomfortability it was like pain and my first thought was like maybe it's like a a yeast infection I even think when I was lying there in bed that night it was like past that point of thinking it was a yeast infection but like at one point I because sometimes for me yeast infections start off like painful so I thought maybe it was that and then yeah lying in bed that that night I was like no this is like pain and I think at that point I was like feeling around and I noticed something, um, but I'm going to preference, I'm going to preface, sorry, what I felt. Okay. So I have had a small cyst, like maybe the size of a marble or a little smaller, kind of embedded in my vulva, in my left labia. And it's actually been there for Matt and I figured it's been there since like 
for like two and a half years. And one day it just appeared. I noticed there's kind of like a little lump there, like kind of like a fluid filled lump. And I went to the GP, to my GP, and she, at that point, she was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't even see it. And I was like, yeah, but if you feel, you can feel like a little bump, a little lump there. And I don't even know if she even felt around. She was just like, no, it's no problem. She's like, is it bothering you? And at that point, I was like, no, but it's just like suddenly appeared. Um, And she like did the usual like pap and like all my physical and didn't really think too much about it. So I was like, okay. And I kind of Googled online because I was like, okay, what is this though, really? And I had determined like through no uh, advice of any professional, mind you, that that it was something called a Bartholin cyst um, or it might be pronounced Bartholin as well. I've heard it pronounced both ways. But anyways, um, it looked like what I had there in one of my labia was just a blocked it was like a blocked gland. There are glands that run on either side of the vaginal opening that provide like your natural lubrication and discharge and whatnot. And when one of those glands gets clogged, it develops a little cyst there. And, you know, it can be sitting there benign, which mine sat there benign for about two and a half years. And I never did anything about it because, you know, number one, it wasn't giving me any symptoms. Number two, aesthetically, it wasn't like that bad either, really. Like, I guess when you really looked, like one of my labia, like they were like uneven, like one was like slightly larger, but it was like, you know, the cyst is like located in like a fleshy area. (laughs) This is getting really sexy right now. It was like, you know, it was like in a fleshy area. So unless you're like feeling, really feeling like, and even when I asked people to feel it, like I asked Matt to feel around for it and he couldn't even really feel it. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge deal. And I think I took, like I read online to like take, you know, baths with Epsom salts and like tea tree oil. So like, At first, when I found this thing there, like for quite a few weeks, I was taking baths like constantly and with oils and with salts and stuff. Um, But then it didn't do anything. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is like a part of me now. (laughs) So cut to like two and a half years later. I think I've kind of pulled a groin muscle or do I have a yeast infection? What's going on? I'm lying there in my bed and... uh, I'm feeling around and I'm like, oh no, this is not like a muscular thing. Like this is like quite obviously tender on like the surface. And when I feel for my cyst, it's like hot pain coming right from that area. And it also feels like a lot bigger than it usually does. Um, So it feels swollen and... uh, it is, it is painful, especially like to touch. It is fucking painful. So in the morning, I'm kind of like, I, well, I'm telling Matt, I'm like, Ooh, this, I, this is my cyst. Like, this is my cyst. Like, um, it's all, it's all coming from that cyst I have. And, you know, as, (laughs) as I was doing before, I like get right on the internet and I'm like, And I read around that 
you know, you can have a cyst, a Bartholin cyst or a Bartholin cyst, but it can abscess, you know, it can get infected, like the fluid that is in that little lump um, can get infected. And in that case, you know, you're, you're, you're either going to need antibiotics um, or, you know, getting it not removed, but getting it, you know, like lanced, so cut um, and like drained. Either way, it's like, yeah, you, you should probably see a doctor. So I was like, I actually went on a date. <laughs> oh, my judgment sometimes. Um, <laughs> I like to think it wasn't that bad if I like thought I could go on a date. Um, I don't know. It, I, I, so I, I totally like went on a date and I had to work that evening, like bartending. <laughs> so what I was thinking was like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow when I have like the day off, like the daytime off. But I, I you know, I should have probably canceled the date and uh, gone to the, uh, the doctor or whatever. Oh, and I, you know what? You know what uh, kind of made the decision for me? I called my GP to make an appointment, like for the next day still. I still was not like thinking that it would come to a head like that day. So I actually phoned my GP to make an appointment for the next day because it was uncomfortable. And uh, she was on vacation, of course. And she's going to be on vacation until like mid-September. So I was like, oh, well, fuck. Okay, well, I'll deal with this tomorrow. I'll go to a walk-in tomorrow. That's what I thought at the time. In the meantime, I'll go on this date. <laughs> oh, so dumb. Um, but anyways, the date was great. <laughs> it was just like I went out for lunch with somebody. Like I had a, like a flirty friend date with, with uh, somebody. And actually, while I was at the restaurant, it did not bother me at all. I was drinking. That was probably part of it. But also, like, I find in some positions, even now, in some positions, like, it just does not bother you. But in other positions, it, like, really fucking does. And it's so funny. It's so funny that, like, the person picked me up and we rode on a motorcycle to get there. So, like, that was not the most comfortable thing I was like adjusting the whole time but like it wasn't as like painful as the night before and as I was like lying in bed it was uncomfortable but I in my head I was still like eh I'll go to the walk-in tomorrow it'll be fine so the date is over um nothing happened obviously it was just like we went out for lunch (laughs) I don't know if that's obvious or not because I still went on that made the decision to go on a date (laughs) With like this possibly abscessed vulvar cyst. But anyways, okay, nothing happened. But then I went, then I went into work for the evening. And you know what? I was there, I was there 15 minutes before it was unbearable. The pain was absolutely unbearable. And I realized later that it was because like standing, being in a standing position uh, was very painful, whereas sitting was not. I found that out, you know, a few hours later that why it suddenly got so unbearable was because I was just, because I stood up and I was standing. It was really bad. So I phoned Matt, actually, (laughs) my partner, Matt, and I'm like, this is absolutely killing me. 
and I think he said go to or he said can you is there a walk-in around there you know and I'm like ah, but I just got to work like uh, and then I was also just stressed out because it was obviously I needed to do something about it and I think Matt said go to Emerge or he or he even suggested we'll go to Emerge tomorrow together like right in the morning we'll go together and I was like okay okay and I talked to my boss who thankfully is a friend of mine and the other co-worker that was there with me is a friend of mine and they're both like go go to a walk-in so I was like okay I'm so sorry I have to go uh and sweetheart Bryce who I work with and I've worked with him for like eight years off and on he's like I'm like I'm so sorry Bryce like because he would have to stay late and he was like you literally have never done this ever in your life before (laughs) like left just you know flaked off of a shift or something like that and I was like okay so I googled um a walk-in clinic in the area and the closest one was like I thought it was closer than it was it was probably like a 15 minute walk but you know on google it's like okay it's like a five minute walk so I start walking and I'm walking for like about five minutes even like 10 minutes and it's just so uncomfortable. It is so, it's, I'm, I'm like, I can't, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And like, at that point, I was like, what the fuck is this walk-in going to do? Nothing. Like, I should just, I should just get in a cab and go to Emerge, which is what I did. I flagged down a cab and uh, told them to take me to uh, Toronto, Toronto General Hospital. Actually, the dude in the cab suggested it. He was like, it's going to be a much uh, shorter wait if you go to a Toronto General rather than like Mount Sinai or whatever. So, whoa. Ooh, mic down. Sorry, I'm like <laughs> shuffling around in my seat trying to find a comfortable position because <laughs> it's still bothering me. Um, so, Toronto General. So I get in there, um, sign in. Another stupid thing, my health card's expired, of course, but I'm like, whatever, I'll pay. And I text Matt that I'm, I'm in Emerge. I'm officially in the hospital. I just made the decision to do it. Um, I'm sitting there for like maybe an hour um, and I'm signing in and registering and, you know, you tell the triage person what's happening. So I'm like, oh, I've had a cyst for two and a half years sitting there and, uh, now it's suddenly a lot of pain there coming from the cyst. Um, so I don't know if it's infected or abscessed or what. And, um, so they're like, okay, okay. And, uh, Matt texts me and he's like, I'm on my way, on my way to the hospital, which I didn't expect, which is, I don't know, which is funny because in the long, (laughs) as you'll see later on in the story, it's like, what would I have done without Matt? I don't know. I probably would have fucking shot myself I don't know so I don't know why at that point I was like I don't need him to come I'm fine by myself that surprises me that he would come no thank fucking god Matt was like I'm on my way so I get seen very quickly just like the cab driver said I actually get seen by a nurse and then also seen by a a doctor um, doing a physical exam the first nurse looks and she says that um, I'm going to get the doctor to come but what happens is that what needs to be done with this 
which is it looks like we need to put in this little catheter drain thing. And I mean, you can do you can drain it without doing that, but there's a lot larger percentage that it's going to refill, like that the cyst is going to refill. And, you know, if if you have your choices of ways to get to do this, you know, where you're going to need this little catheter drain thing inserted in you. And uh, we don't have that at Toronto General um, because we don't have like a gynecology department here. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And she's like, well, we'll see if it needs to be done. I'll, I'll get the other doctor and she'll be able to tell you. And we're like, oh, fuck. At that point, we're like, okay, well, (laughs) like, number one, shit, we're not even at the proper hospital. Number two, it's like, okay, well, she'll see if it needs to be done. What happens if she looks at it and she's like, ah, no, it's fine. We'll give you some painkillers. I I wanted that shit to be done, like, ASAP. I wanted them to fucking cut me open, like, (laughs) immediately. Um, And the other person, the other lady comes in in a reasonable amount of time, maybe like 15, 20 minutes or something. She takes a look and right away she's like, okay, no, we need to, you need to uh, deal with this. This is obviously just by looking at it, that's got to be so uncomfortable for you. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, okay, what we're going to do, I'm going to call over to Mount Sinai and, uh, which is just a couple blocks away. Not even, it's like right across the street. And she's like, um, I'm going to tell them that I'm referring you over there um and I'll give them a heads up about what's going on because you need to go over and get this uh get this procedure done get it get it drained and the exact procedure that she's describing she's like they'll freeze you they will make an incision they will depress the cyst so like extracting you know all the infected you know pus and liquid Um, and then they're going to insert this catheter drain thing and that's the procedure, you know, and it would take like 15 minutes or something. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And they're like, okay. So it took another 20 minutes for them to come back and be like, okay, we called them, they picked up, they're expecting you. So, you know, get all your shit together and, uh, get over to Mount Sinai. So, And Matt is in there with me the whole time. Like, he's right beside the bed. (laughs) And every person that comes in is is like, is it okay that he's here? I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Like, I'm not shy. (laughs) At one point, Matt was, like, sitting in the corner of the room, like, across from me. And I was like, well, you can come sit, like, beside me. (laughs) So you're not, like, in the direct view of, like, all the exams happening on my vulva. Um, <laughs> but besides that, I was like, yes, of course, I, I would love for Matt to be in here. Like, what's he going to do out there anyways? This is where all the fun is at. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, they give us the referral, like a paper and they fax over the other one. By the way, faxing, like, you wonder why, like, the waiting room is so clogged up and everything runs so slowly like there's no computers anywhere it's so weird they're still like it's such an archaic system like they literally give me a paper that I gotta bring over and and so odd anyways um so we walk over I have a very uncomfortable walk over with Matt's assistance to Mount Sinai so Mount Sinai is like a lot bigger the waiting room is like 
four times the size and uh, four times as busy. Like even at that point, at that point, it was like 830 p.m. I want to say I checked in at Toronto General at 6 p.m. So, yeah, it's like about 830, I would say. Um, And so we check in there and everything and. I'm expecting to get in like pretty quickly because we've already waited like two and a half hours at the other thing. And, but, but that is not the case. That does not matter. (laughs) And, um, so I think it's like about nine 30 and I'm starting to get, uh, the chills. I've got a really bad headache. Um, I'm shivering and, uh, what else did I have? Oh, my body was aching. Like, like at this point, the worst part is not the cyst, the pain coming from the cyst. I have like my, my back, my whole back is like aching and my skin is, um, sensitive to the touch anywhere. Like Matt tried to like rub my back at one point and I'm like, ow, ow. <laughs> like, like, I want you to rub my back cause I'm so cold and it's so sore, but I can't even ha- have you touching my skin. So, you know, there's a thing that's posted that says, let the, uh, let reception know if your symptoms are changing. So, and also at that point, uh, I decided to take some Advil because it was a little while since I took some Advil. So it was probably the Advil wearing off as well. So anyways, Matt went to the reception and said that my symptoms were changing. Um, so they, I went up there and they took my temperature and asked me how I was feeling and everything. They said, yeah, your temperature is uh, quite a bit higher than it was when you came in. Um, We're going to try to expedite you, you know, you in, which was ended up being a good thing. Um, And also Matt, the sweetheart, like uh, texted his dad, who kind of lives in the area, to bring over like a blanket for me because we're sitting in this like crowded waiting room at this point. It's like, you know, about 10 p.m. or whatever. And it's, I'm so uncomfortable at this point in the chair in this crowded waiting room. Matt's trying to like hug me and keep me warm. I'm like so cold. So Matt's dad actually came and dropped off a blanket for me. Um, And while Matt was like, the like five minutes Matt was gone meeting his dad outside to get this blanket for me, they call me in, of course. Um, So they put me in the rapid assessment zone the RAS area um which Matt is allowed to come in he and I'm, I'm like oh my partner um and he's like oh just tell him to go to the RAS area and I'll be uh, this nurse this one male nurse was like so helpful he's like I'll keep an eye for him and and I'll bring him in because they brought me to this RAS area which uh I got in a private room which perfect and Matt shows up like a second later after I kind of put on the gown and lie down and he's got this big cozy blanket (laughs) which is just so perfect at that point and uh another kind of nice I don't know I found this nice I I know maybe people might not like the mislabeling you know of your partner or whatever but people are calling Matt my husband like the whole day and like I'm fine with it because I'm getting married to Matt I'll be married to Matt next spring summer and even you know, they're like, is anyone here with you today? And I'll be like, oh, my partner, Matt. And they're like, common law? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, okay, so you and your husband go and da-da-da. Because he technically is my common law husband, right? So I don't know. That was kind of nice that (laughs) even though we're not like legally married yet, it was just like Matt got to come 
anywhere and everywhere with me. Um, it treated as if he was my uh, legal husband, which is nice. So anyways, Matt accompanied me into this private room, got me all cozied up in this blanket that his dad just brought, which was lovely. And like, I'm feeling a lot better um, lying down. You know, the the Advil I took are, are um, kicking in and just lying down in a bed in a nice cozy blanket in a nice quiet room was like heaven compared to like, you know, the, uh, the half hour before where I was like just dying in this busy Mount Sinai <laughs> emergency room. And I don't know, I'm still thinking like, okay, they're going to come in in like an hour and do this thing. That was like maybe 10 p.m. I got in that private room. Um, a student came in at some point, like hours later. A student came in um, just to do another interview. And poor thing, this must be his first day like by himself because he was a mess. He kept asking Matt to leave, like to ask personal questions about like my sexual history and stuff like this and even though we're like he can stay like and we've already had this interview like four other times this evening and then he I think we were in that room maybe three hours that private room and then the student is like oh well you can go back to the waiting room and we're like what and and he's like no not not the main one just like the little waiting room there so whatever we got all our shit back together um, and went to the little waiting room now and uh, that student had to come back two more times because he forgot to ask me questions. (laughs) So he had to like pull me aside, like down the hallway to be like, by the way, have you ever had a pregnancy? (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, no. So that was kind of funny. And we're in that small waiting room, which is small and quiet, uh, which was nice. But still, I was very uncomfortable. And I wished I was like in that bed lying down so bad. But we were there fuck hours still hours um and it's about I think it's about um oh and and like they tell me that you know it's it is going to be a wait for the gynecologist department because they're delivering babies like it's it's this is the real deal this is the hospital where they deliver babies (laughs) so you know, they're like, you just, you just got to (laughs) wait. And I'm like, okay, fair. Um, I hope babies, you know, (laughs) I wish them a quick labor (laughs) for both of our sakes. And it's like 2am. And like a lot of the rooms are open, like the beds, like there's a bed right across from this little waiting room that we're in that's been empty the whole time. And like, so I'm like, I'm like, Matt, can you just, like, ask, like, if... At at this point, Matt's, like, gotten snacks and brought them back. He got me a tea, which, if anyone knows me, that's, like, my ultimate comfort food to have, like, a black tea with milk in it. So Matt (laughs) went and did that. We're listening to podcasts together. Like, we're reading shit. This has been a long go. And uh, I'm like, Matt, can you, like, is there... Can you check on, like, what's going on? And like, can we go back in a room? Like, is that a possibility? So he like goes and asks and she's like, basically, there's just like babies being delivered. Like two women just came in. So it's going to be a while. Um, But she was like, he was like, can we like go back in a private room? Like, so she can lie down. Like, she's really uncomfortable. And um, she was just kind of like, I I mean, sure. (laughs) And we're like, 
say no more. <laughs> we like pick all our shit up. We've got like bags of chips and crap and like a box of junior mints. We like left a half box of junior mints somewhere in that hospital. Um, so we got back in a room. Thank God. It's like 2.30 and I fall asleep from like 2.30 to 5, from 2.30 to 5, like in and out. Uh, I fall asleep, which is great. And poor Matt is sitting beside the bed, <laughs> like on his phone. His uh, dad actually brought him a phone charger, which was so thoughtful of uh, Matt's dad. Um, cause we needed that big time. Both of our phones were dead. Um, and you know, when you're waiting there for like 11 hours, it's nice to have your phone on you, right? Where you can do shit on it. So Matt, uh, yeah, just sat beside the bed the whole time while I slept for a couple hours. Um, and lo and behold at about five o'clock. So it's 11 hours into this emergency room experience, The gynecologist comes in with her two bumbling students, (laughs) which the student from before who was so funny uh, and inexperienced, and then also a new student (laughs) that was so funny and inexperienced. Uh, And then I have this interview with the doctor um, for like the fifth time that day. And uh, she's like does anyone explain the process to you of this procedure? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, they did at, at um, Toronto General. She explains it again, it again to me that there's going to be an incision. We're going to depress everything. Um, and we're going to insert this little catheter thing. And she shows me this little drain. It's like uh, three inches long, you know, and like a catheter, it has like a little um, inflatable part at the end that's going to keep it in like a little balloon that's going to be inflated inside you um and uh yeah so she shows me that and she's like she she looked at it and she was like yeah we're doing this let's do it you ready and I'm like yes let's yes please uh and I went and peed (laughs) and came back uh and we did it um you know trigger warning if people have weird surgery uh uh, reactions. I won't go too, well, no, I'll get graphic. Um, (laughs) um, they, you know, they stuck a needle in to freeze the area, but she did say that this is only freezing, um, you know, the outer layer of skin for when I put the scalpel in. You'll still feel, you'll still feel everything. Um, like when I'm depressing it, that will be uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Um, and so she puts a needle in to freeze me. Um, she's like, can you feel me pricking you right now? And I'm like, no, not at all. So she uh, makes an incision. And um, they have this like gross like suction machine. <laughs> it's like it's like when it reminded me like when you're at the dentist, when, you know, the dental assistant has like the sucker and she's just like... <sighs> Uh, at your like saliva so the student the bumbling student that did the interview with me before he's doing the sucker thing um it's a gross sound oh I can just hear the sound of that all that liquid just being sucked up oh it's just terrible Matt is like holding my hand and like 
you know, he just kind of had his head down beside me on, on my arm. And I was just like, oh, this is so gross. And then, and then she's like depressing the cyst, like, so she's putting her finger like way inside me and then just like pressing to make sure all that like pus stuff is out. And she's doing that a thousand fucking times. <laughs> That's obviously an exaggeration, but like she's doing that like 20 times to make sure that all that um, is out. And um, yeah, at one point, like the sucker thing, like just falls on the floor and the student <laughs> like doesn't even notice. And Matt's like, uh, this has been on the floor. <laughs> like Then they have to like change the head of it and like the student like cannot get it back on he's he doesn't know what he's doing it was pretty funny and then yeah and then she puts in when they're done doing that she's like okay I think we've got out you know as much as we can get out of it um so we're just gonna put in the little the catheter um drain thing so what she's doing with that is she's actually inserting that into my labia like not in up my vagina or anything like that she's inserting it like directly in to where the cyst was and blowing it up so and then the drain part the like kind of three inch drain part she actually um I assumed it would be you know like hanging down downwards down my leg that it would be external on me um she's actually like I'm gonna actually just push this invert it so that it's this three inch plastic part is actually going upwards like into your vaginal canal so it's not going to be hanging down and bothering you. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay. And the procedure was not as bad as I thought it would be. That depressing part was painful as fuck. But, um, and the incision, uh, like afterwards, after the freezing uh, went off, was very painful and sore. But, like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I was more just like, oh, I was so nervous. And like, usually when I get a like local anesthesia, like when I get frozen somewhere, for some reason, I usually throw up after. So I was like really concerned about (laughs) throwing up. So like even when Matt brought snacks and stuff, I'm like, just give me something really easy. (laughs) Something that's going to be really easy for me to throw up later. Um. So it was mostly, like, anticipation of, like, some crisis like that. Some throwing up crisis would happen. But um, it was so great Matt was there. So anyways, they, like, um, they're like, okay, that's it. (laughs) Uh, And one of the students comes back in to tell me, to give me, like, a referral paper to, because I have to go back to the uh, gynecology unit in about four weeks to get that catheter thing removed so he gives me that and they're like and that's it and off you go it's like okay wow and it's just funny how instant like the pain is I I mean I was frozen still but it's a different kind of pain than it was before like it's so it was obvious at that point that that all that pressure of like that just full cyst was like that was gone uh, because I'd have been Lanced and depressed. It's the title of my one woman show. So yeah, I go to get up and I'm just like, and I'm like, I go get to get up from my lying down position to like put on my clothes. I'm just lying in a puddle of my own like bloody 
pus is pretty fucking gross. Like, could one of those bumbling students not, like, just, you know, pull that out from under me? Uh, You know, I don't know. That's just me. I'm like, okay. It's like, if I was by myself, I would be like, um, this is, like, damaging my psyche. (laughs) Like, now I'm just left in a pool of my, in, like, my own cesspool. I don't know. That bothered me. Matt was like, whatever. Just, like, you know, just try to clean yourself up as best as possible. And we'll get you home and get you in the shower. So, (laughs) so, yeah. So, we got home at about, we took a cab and got home at about, like, 20 after 6. So, all in all, that was, like, over 12 hours that I was at the hospital and I'm going to take a quick break here because that this is an actual episode of my podcast and I do have actual sponsors to my podcast. So um, I know it's pretty late that I'm taking this break, but we're going to do it. So I'm going to be back in a couple minutes um, and I'll talk about what happened to me, you know, both mentally and emotionally and physically after we got home. So here are some words from the lovely folks at Kim As You Are. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast, and it's just me today talking about my vulvar cyst, my Bartolin slash Bartholin cyst. I've heard it pronounced two different ways from doctors. So, okay, so we got home um, at about, oh boy, about 6.30 that morning. We just like slept the whole day. Unfortunately (laughs) for me, I had to host a bachelorette party the next day. (laughs) Like I had to have, we're having a stripper come in. Um, It was like an all day thing. (laughs) So that was my day after surgery day. (laughs) But it actually worked out okay because they kind of just were meeting at my place and then they went out and did a scavenger hunt, which I didn't go do. And then they came back, we did the stripper thing, and then they went back out again uh, to go dancing, which I didn't go do. I was I was dying um, the next morning. I was like, wow, I really pushed it. Um, even though every time they were gone, I like just napped, napped and crashed and, you know, was horizontal um, still. That was not, probably not the best recovery choice for my vulva. 
but it was a lovely bachelorette party nonetheless. So though on Sunday I woke up and I was feeling really rough, like I felt like I, it was as as if I just got back from the hospital uh, pain-wise. And uh, I, I got really upset. I got like kind of in a negative headspace about it because I hadn't seen any progress with the pain, like any positive progress. Um, and obviously I hadn't. I had just hosted a bachelorette party like all day long um, the day after. But I just got in a bad headspace where I was like, okay, the this is this is what it's like now. This is my body now. It's just genital pain. Um, and I'm having problems sitting and some positions lying down and like for some reason being on the toilet fucking killed. I don't know if just the way you're sitting like relaxes that area. I could just feel like trigger warning I could feel like the incision just like opening every time I fucking sat on the toilet so I had to like anytime I had to pee like I had to do it so quickly so like ugh, I don't know it's a disaster <laughs> and the whole time I'm just taking like like Advil they didn't actually prescribe me anything good unfortunately but that day yeah I started to get really down about me not being able to have any penetration whatsoever um, into my vagina. I was just started to kind of realize that, oh man, I have potentially like eight weeks, you know, if and that's if there's no like complications um, when I go back for my my checkup. And I just started to get really like depressed about it. But it's funny, like... I don't have orgasms from penetration in my vagina. So like, it's not really a big deal (laughs) to like my sex life at the very least, like my sex life with Matt, with my main partner, you know, I, I don't get off that way anyway. So it's really not such a big, big deal. But for me, it kind of made me examine like the type of sex that I have with new partners which like penetration sex is like a kind of a lowish percentage between Matt and I, but it's a pretty high percentage between me and like new partners. And that's kind of interesting. Just like, why, why is that? You know, it's, I don't know if it's completely that it's just what it's, what's expected, you know, when a man and a woman get together, that's kind of just the unspoken thing that, you know, everything is leading up to is like penetration sex. I don't know if it's completely that. It's probably, it's partially that. It's just easier to just do that rather than, you know, talk about all the actual ways that actual and like complicated and sometimes time consuming. And sometimes like, you know, somebody's not into touching my butt or, or me bringing a toy into this scenario, you know, so part of it yeah is it's it's just easy to have regular sex not saying that I don't enjoy regular sex okay <laughs> quote-unquote regular sex like heteronormative like PIV sex is what I mean and it's not to say I don't enjoy PIV sex because I really do and actually like you know one of the reasons that I do have PIV sex with like casual partners is that I don't have tons of sex of that type of sex with my main partner. So I enjoy it. 
and I just enjoy it in general. And I mean, <laughs> it's it's a lovely type of sex. I'm not going to knock it. I'm not mad at it. So yeah, like for me, for with my main partner, it was going to be okay. Like if if it was eight weeks that I couldn't essentially use anything. I couldn't receive anything in my vagina, it would be okay, right? Like I, it would kind of, it would suck because, you know, it's nice to have the option. Um, But that would be fine. It was more like the secondary, tertiary partners scenario. Like it was, it was the polyamory thing. And especially since, um, coincidentally enough, like right before my, my um, procedure, I kind of was reevaluating what I want in in my other partners, like what types of relationships I'm looking to have, because the ones that I was currently having, I was kind of struggling with anyway. So it kind of forced me to say, okay, what I really want is is not just sex, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me clarify. Like it's nice to maybe have one partner that's just sex, but it's it's nice to maybe have, you know, a bit more of an emotional connection with like somebody. So I was kind of ready to kind of like, okay, let's I don't know if I'd like get online again or what I would do, but I was like, okay, I'm going to like jump back into like dating where I'm actually meeting someone and like having a bit more of a like boyfriend girlfriend dynamic rather than like you know a kink dynamic or or something like that or just like this hookup dynamic so I kind of set that up for myself that I wanted to do that and then you know I had to and then I had this cyst thing and then now I was like well shit I okay well I can't do that now and that's put on hold and I'm just gonna be like unsatisfied in that arena of my life now for the next you know, potentially two months. But that's dumb. That was me being a little dramatic. (laughs) Because, you know, who's to say that you can't have all types of sex with new partners and that, you know, people aren't going to be understanding. Like, of course, they'll be understanding if you're like, listen, I had this procedure. And I know and I know that's the apprehension behind that is like you don't really want to have to have those conversations with people you've just met like look I've had this procedure but I mean if they're not going to be open to that and if they're going to be grossed out by that then maybe that's not the right person for me anyways I was talking to someone and they were saying that you know this could be your challenge this month or for the next two months to have like different types of sex with new people and to, you know, shake up what you usually do with new partners and to to connect with um, people in all different types of ways, not even just sexual ways, like, you know, even platonic ways, like with friends, which I struggle with in my personal life, um, just like reaching out to friends. So he's like, you know, this this could be your challenge which is a great way to look at it, um, except, you know, on this Sunday when I woke up with just, like, so much genital, genital pain, I was like, 
All right. Well, great, but I probably won't. (laughs) I'll probably just choose to be depressed. And another thing to bring up where polyamory is concerned is like, I'm kind of in a compromised emotional state, especially on that Sunday. I was like feeling very vulnerable. (laughs) And, you know, as long as I am dealing with this, I'm going to kind of have that emotional connection to it where I might not be as lax as I am, you know, with Matt and his other people. So, you know, that might be, there might be things that come up where I have to use, you know, my veto power on some things because I'm just not able to emotionally, you know, deal with it, especially early on. And it's not like I can exactly ask Matt to put all his, like, paramours on hold you know, until I get better, uh, especially when I'm not able to really have many types of sex or like at the beginning, able to have any type of sex or be in the mood um, or like just not be in complete body pain. Um, So that's just a new thing that we would have to navigate, like me feeling vulnerable about him playing with people more vulnerable than usual. And, um, But also, you know, there's a bit, I'm sure Matt could wait two months if he really had to, but I mean, I wouldn't want him to uh, not be able to play with anybody. So just figuring out that dynamic between the two of us. And then another thing altogether is that I'm not able to use a menstrual cup uh, through this whole process. So this could be like one or two months this is one or two months where I have to use a pad, um, which I'm not really that used to doing. Um, I do have like some reusable, like the washable cotton pads that are like nice and soft. And I sometimes use those as like a liner or something like that. But like for me to feel myself bleeding, like not having something internal, it like gives me anxiety. Like (laughs) I think just because I haven't worn like a pad, like just strictly a pad for my period for so long that that feeling of bleeding when you feel it coming out that like it triggers that you need to like do something about that. That means like that you're your my cup is overflowing or like back in the day like that my tampon needed to be changed so that's something that like you if you felt that feeling you would like fly to the washroom you know so that's something that I'll have to get used to just like feeling that feeling um and (laughs) you know not having that reaction that like guttural reaction that you're like oh my god like I need to take care of this. And the other thing is that I don't even wear full underwear. I have like, I wear a thong or no underwear at all. So I only have like two pairs of like a full panty. And like one of them is uncomfortable. So I have one pair of underwear. (laughs) So like, I'm gonna have to like, right when I was done the surgery, I was wearing like, boys boxer briefs like Matt's underwear like I have a bunch of Matt's underwear that's too small for him that I wear like when I need to so like when I was done 
from having my procedure, I wore a pad, like just because it was the wound was leaking. I wasn't menstruating, but so I was wearing that with men's underwear for a couple days. And then, so (laughs) I have to like buy new underwear, like women's underwear, uh, for my periods now. And like, you know, eventually I'm not going to be in a lot of pain. So I'm going to want to play sports. I play sports regularly and like to play sports with like a pad is just, ugh, I don't know. I'm just not looking forward to it, but to each their own. Some people don't mind. Some women don't mind bleeding onto something. Some people, uh, like to do that, you know, to kind of be in touch with their own cycle and to, but I feel like I, I am in touch with my cycle because I use the Diva Cup so I can kind of monitor uh, what's happening and how much and like the texture and color and uh, what's going on with my with the uterine lining and stuff like that. But maybe I'll just have to also take this as a challenge and uh, be in more in touch with my period, with my body, um, with my cycle. Maybe I should go back and read uh, our, our bodies ourselves. <laughs> Maybe this can just be another positive thing that, you know, I'm getting out of this whole process. So, yeah. The other thing was, on that day, I was like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Like, I was feeling like it was. (laughs) I was, like, trying to talk myself off a cliff. And I was like, okay, think of, like, all the people that have genital well, like genital pain first, like someone very close to me in my family has vulvodynia and has pedendal neuralgia and fibromyalgia and chronic pain conditions. And they've dealt with that for like the past 20 years. Like they specifically have genital pain that spans like a large area of like their perianal and anal region. Like that's their life, which you know, what I learned was that I just thought I'd be in pain for like two months. But you know, it obviously got better even like a week after it was tons better. And every day it got better after that. But like, it was just a humbling moment for me to be like, Oh, my God, imagine if this was my life. And one nice thing was I was able to have an orgasm that day which I was kind of thinking that masturbation wouldn't even be an option for me, you know, for most of the two months. But like three days after my procedure, I had an orgasm. So even if I was dealt that hand and people that are dealt that hand of like genital pain or genital like quote unquote genital dysfunction, you make it work. You have to make it work. You know, you want to a fulfilling sex life like everybody else so you're gonna do it anyways and I did it on Sunday and I was like okay doing that I was like okay it's not the end of the world (laughs) like stop being super dramatic um this is just like an annoying thing that's kind of more on par with like a UTI or a yeast infection or something like that um which I've dealt with both of those things and they're depressing in their own right I mean they suck but that's life. That's just what it's like to have a vagina. Like sometimes that shit happens. So, you know, a lot was going through my head (laughs) on that Sunday. Um, 
but uh, oh, I should be wrapping this up anyways. Okay, good, because I'm kind of I'm kind of done. I think <laughs> I didn't really plan out what I was gonna say. I was like, oh well, I'm when I'm I feel like I've said what I wanted to say. I'll stop. Um, so at this point, I've uh, made a follow up appointment. My appointment is on September the twenty second. If anyone is like looking at the date and <laughs> or wondering want to wish me some like good thoughts because I have to go back and I have to get this uh, little catheter drain thing removed so hopefully that's not going to cause me too much pain or discomfort and hopefully there aren't complications Um, but you know what even if there are complications I'm gonna just have to deal with it so um thanks for listening everybody um Hopefully that helps someone, um, you know, that deals with this type of stuff or, you know, the next time something like this happens to you, you know, you'll feel not alone or you'll feel like you're a little prepared in some way. But anyway, it's been therapeutic for me as well. Uh, And I'm an exhibitionist anyway, so, you know, I was just masturbating this entire time. Um... (laughs) Anyways, everyone, I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bed Post Podcast. Check back weekly, everybody, because we release a new episode every single Friday. If you want to rate and review the podcast on iTunes while you're there, that would be amazing. It just helps um, me get sponsors. It helps people find my podcast easier. So it's actually really, uh, really appreciated on my behalf. If you are in Toronto and want to see Bedpost Live, the Variety Stage Show runs at the Social Capital Theatre the third Friday of every month at 8. For more information on everything Bedpost, visit us at the website bedpost.ca. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, shoot me an email or, or um, get well soon messages. Shoot me an email at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. And lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Stephanie Copeland, who can be reached on her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.